Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, streaming on Facebook Live, hosted by our regulars, which is Gina, Mike, Ed, Ed, and myself, Steve. We will proudly, proudly, excuse me, once again, share with you diverse opinions on current events and issues from some of the best and brightest whose worldviews range from conservative to quite libertarian. Good afternoon, everybody. Hola. Good afternoon, guys. Hey, everybody. Right. I'm, I'm still chauvinistic. I'm going to do ladies first. Gina, what's yes. uppermost on your mind to talk about? Oh, gosh. Most. I think I, I, I'm going to probably have to go with the majority of um, what the leftists are ranting about right now, but I'm going to do applause and high fives to Elon Musk. Um, I mean, you can't escape that right now. So that's probably um, the top. I'm very excited. I might even um, start using Twitter again. I haven't used it in years upon years, but I, I might take, take the dip. Okay. What are you most excited about? That I can run my mouth and say whatever I want. No, um, but what I am excited about is to see the open sourcing for the algorithms. Um, I think that is so important. Um, and I just, I think that part is awesome. Because um, I, I know just like our Facebook page and stuff like that, that um, I've done through the business suite or page manager, whatever it used to be called, you know, the algorithms, you'd see them jump and then two weeks later, they cancel your page. And now your algorithms are like absolutely horrible. Nobody's seeing your content. So I, I'm very interested in seeing that, actually. So somebody said that the open source business was the ability to cross post on other platforms. Was that your understanding? Mm -mm. That's what somebody mentioned, that that was the purpose of him trying to make it open sourced. So we'll go to our uh, technical correspondent in a second. Mm -hmm. um, you've probably all seen the stories that conservatives all of a sudden have lots of followers and liberals have fewer, with the implication being that they've been cheating all along and now they're trying to bring it back closer to reality, which is quite interesting. Uh, apparently, uh, Senator Hawley today is basically daring or imploring Elon Musk to expose who did what in the last few years because he now owns that information right. and that potentially could be the most fun of all of this stuff. But Ed Powell, do you know what this open source thing, am I right? Is Gina right? Are we both right? Well, there's two, uh, there's two movements. One is, uh, you know, can you, can you create Twitter clients other than the one that Twitter uses? And, and that, and that has, been limited recently. I've never ever used the Twitter client. Uh, I use Tweetbot, which is um, which gives you everybody you subscribe to in inverse order and and uh, you know it, or in order of tweets, and it remembers your position and it um, doesn't uh, skip anybody. And there's no algorithm at all. It just takes all the people you subscribe to and get the tweets in order. So I I don't. You know, I, I don't um, suffer from any of the problems that everybody has said, but on the actual Twitter app, which, like I said, I, I don't really use, but I, I've fooled with it. Um, you don't get that. Like I was uh, logged into the Twitter app the other day because when you click on a link, it brings that up. It doesn't go to Tweetbot. And then I just scroll down. And I'm like, you, I got tweets from people I don't follow. 
um, you know, blue checks who I would never think of reading their opinion on anything and then scroll down and scroll down. And it's very, you know, it's, it was just an awful experience. I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, it, it's a bunch of things I didn't want to see and none of the things I wanted to see. Now, that's not my usual Twitter experience, you know, because Tweetbot is very old school, but I can understand why people are like, I, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I don't want to see these crazy blue checks from CNN. I mean, why, why I didn't subscribe to them. Why are you throwing, why are you throwing Brian Stelter at me? I mean, what, what, yeah. what possible good could that do anybody? Um, so yeah, I understand what the, um, you know, what the issue is now, I guess what the quote unquote algorithm is, is like, what is that? You know, why is it that you give me Brian Stelter and, and uh, you know, other potato heads rather than, um, rather than who I asked for, you know, what, what is that algorithm? Who decides what, how do you decide who I see and in what order? Um, Cause that would really, really annoy. I, I would never, if I had to use the Twitter client, I would never use it. Uh, honestly, it would just be the most useless thing in the world. Um, yeah. So I personally use TweetDeck for a long time. Yeah, TweetDeck is better. That's a, that's a Twitter provided alternative. I mean, not, not, not to go off on a tangent, but it is very hard when you're following a lot of people on Twitter to compartmentalize it. So I always have lists. Yeah. My columns on TweetDeck so I can make right. something out of it, you know? Yeah. TweetBot allows you to do the same, same do you sort of thing. think, first of all, for our crowd, and do you think people you know are going to use Twitter more? What's it going to mean for all these other new platforms? Um, yeah. The owners of the new platform platforms are all saying, oh, we don't mind, you know, the more the merrier. I wonder if they really feel that way. You got Trump's thing supposedly going up. Everybody's saying, boy, if he ever does start to tweet, somebody even suggested his shareholders should sue him um, for working for the competition, all of which is quite interesting to me. But do you guys tweet yeah. and are you going to tweet more? I'll probably tweet more. Well, I mean, I, I certainly I read Twitter a lot because it's a way to curate news. I, I tweet some. Um, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think it's important, you, you know, I mean, things they ban, right? I mean, you know, obviously naughty words, you know, which you can call people and we all know what the naughty words are. Um, they ban those. Is, it woman? Ban. Is the naughty word woman and man? Yeah. Woman and man. But then okay. they started banning the pronouns, you know, all that banning stuff. people for the whole trans, uh, you know, men are men and women are women. They ban people over like learn to code when journalists get uh, laid off and people were like, well, learn to code because that's sort of everything the journalist said when like coal miners got laid off and, when, and stuff like that due to the um, energy policies. So they banned a bunch of them. Um, <coughs> they they ban people for pointing out um, like differences in crime rates for the various races. They, they ban people for um, anything having to do with you know, anything having to do with discussing differences in races or sexes or ethnicities or whatever. Mm -hmm. that, uh, but and then that, they started banning people for like the QAnon stuff. And they banned people for just being uh, saying that, uh, you know, the election was stolen and, you know, finally they banned people on the COVID material. You know, I mean, if, if you point out that the vaccines are dangerous, they ban you. I mean, we're not popular enough to, to get banned by saying the vaccines are very dangerous. Um, 
but I mean, if, if someone from YouTube heard us say that, then, you know, they would ban this uh, podcast and they uh, ban that, um, you know, things like the vaccines don't work and you don't, you, you shouldn't need a vaccine or you shouldn't get a vaccine. Um, you know, the, the VAERS data says it's very dangerous. All of that stuff got people banned. Um, but like I have what, three, 400 followers, I'm not going to get banned. But it, if you have 10,000 wow. followers and you start doing that, then, then they ban you. It's, it's very much a, you know, uh, you know, banning people with reach. And if that, you know, you can say, okay, well, we all know what the dirty words are that you're not allowed to say, and they aren't damn or hell or any of those. It's, it's the real dirty words. Um, if they continue with banning that, I mean, that's, you know, who, who wants to say those words anyway, right? I mean, the people who do just do it for trolling purposes. Um, but if you're not allowed to talk about COVID or, you know, Fauci's idiocy or Rachel Levine being a man and, and then, uh, you know, mentally ill man, that sort of thing, then you, uh, you, you know, this is the most important issue of the day. And now they're banning like um, people discussing the war in Ukraine. They're banning um, the Russian perspective. Now, I'm not a fan of Russia. I'm not a fan of Putin, but I do read uh, Russia today because you have to understand what the other guy is saying to get a balanced view of what is going on. And the idea that they can ban all these Russian channels just so that nobody can make up their own mind is just anathema to me. I, I just hate that. Um, now, I don't agree with what Russia Today says most of the time, but I mean, I insist upon my right uh, to read what they have to say so that I can make up my own mind. Um, and they're banning those people too. So it's like whatever the NPCs are focused on now, anybody who goes against that is being banned. Um, but again, it's not it's not just the straight banning of people too. As and the, the suppression. Most it, yeah. The most recent Project Veritas video showed how they were basically admitting that they shadow ban you too. Yeah. And we know this goes on. And listen, there's times I post on Facebook about a political topic and I feel like, Am I here by myself at the moment? Because like nobody seems nobody seems to comment about, you know. I, I, I follow a bunch of people who do pop culture reviews, you know, like, uh, you know, the usual pop culture and Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, that's, and they got banned from from Twitter, and they're back now. They, yeah. You know, they put yeah. in a, and you know, Elon doesn't control the company, so why are they suddenly restoring accounts? Um, that well, I, been, I think they know what's coming, or at least they. They're bracing themselves for what's coming. I, I, and, yeah, uh, I think I know one person in particular who's been banned since like 2018, and he even tried to create other accounts, right? Different accounts for himself at the time, and it didn't work. All of a sudden, now he was able to get on and create a new account for himself, and he's a controversial person. So, <laughs> I mean, and um, I mean, there, there's the cartoonish Bosch, Bosch Faustin, who uh, is that's, a critic. That's who, I'm that's who I'm talking about. <laughs> critic of Islam. Okay, so he's back on. Yeah, see, it's very interesting. Um, and so uh, is it because they fear some sort of an audit? You know, I mean, I th that's like, who did what when? Because Elon's, you know, Elon's philosophy is very interesting. I was talking about this at work the other day. Um, when he's talking about requirements, he's, he's, he said, like, any requirement should be um, traced to an individual, not a team, not a group, not any. So when you try to understand what the requirement is, there is a person that you can talk to and say, hey, okay, why did you 
do it? What was important about this? And, you know, again, if that sort of personal individual responsibility, that's how he runs SpaceX, that's how he runs, but that's the anathema of the way the left runs things like Twitter. They don't want to take personal responsibility. They want like, they want arbitrary control with no accountability. And so when they ban somebody- Collectivism, collectivism. Yeah, when they ban somebody, it wasn't there. Like, who banned me? Well, I don't know. You know. So, I, but there's a log somewhere that says who banned you, right? So, I think they're trying to like get out of that, you know, because an audit would be death. I, I do think that um, just to finalize my thing, I think that uh, it, this is going to be tough. Um, I, I know, you know, obviously some changes have happened already. Elon doesn't even know the comp- own the company, but you know, there needs to be a bloodbath uh, at Twitter, um, you know, where they fire 5, 10, 15% of the, you know, um, the employees and outright fire them. Like you march them, have security, march them out, you know, with the picture of their dog and, and you will never set foot on this property ever again, kind of bloodbath. Um, and if he doesn't do that, then I have a feeling the SJ doubles SJWs will just sort of regroup and be a little bit more under the, um, you know, under the radar. Well, I think, yeah, I think to, you need to have to have a purge. I agree. Go ahead. Sorry. I Ed. think you need, I think a purge would be necessary, but not sufficient because as long as they're located in Silicon Valley in California, they're going to have a, a permanent stream of SJWs to come in and replace whoever they fire. If Musk is serious, he's going to not only need to fire a whole bunch of people, but he's going to have to immediately start planning to relocate to some different location where the local population is going to be going to give him employees that he can control better. Well, they're all Um, wanting him to come. He he relocated Tesla to Texas. He relocated. um, Yeah, but didn't he relocate it to Austin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's outside Austin. Yeah. But Austin is a high tech hub. I mean, I don't know what. It's also a crazy lib town where Eeyore's birthday is celebrated with parades in the street. It's a little crazy. It is a nutty town. I don't like going there, but I have been there many times. So I, I, think, I think he needs to, to not only fire and, and move to a, a more hospitable location. But I, to me, I mean, you guys have hit on a lot of the important points. I think that the important part of what's going on is, is the is is the prospect of the restoration of free speech on the on the internet or at least on twitter um but i know the left and they don't give up easily i know last week i predicted that there'd be a a counter offer or a counter bid and that didn't materialize yeah um, i i turned out to be wrong about that but i i am sure that they are plotting right now on what they're going to do to get even with him and to to make sure that this just doesn't work for him the way he thinks it's going to work well, to pick up on what you're saying, Ed, the story out there is that if he makes any moves, the government's going to come after every business he has. And every well, I think they're going to come after every business, even I mean, no matter what. The next I think they are going to do that, that anyway. I think Tesla yeah. and, and SpaceX are going to be subject to tremendous scrutiny mm-hmm. right now, uh, not just from the government. I'm sure that all these private people will try and dox them and do whatever, say whatever negative things they can about them. I mean, you know, that. They're already making uh, making Musk out to be a, a white supremacist neo-Nazi. One of the interesting things about it is, um, you know, he, he, he made an offer of 5420 a share 
and it was accepted by the board. And yet Twitter is, is um, trading right this very moment at 48.64. So that's, um, you know, five bucks and change of free money, unless somebody in the street knows more than we do. And I think that's what's happening. I think they're thinking that they, the government will stop it, step in and block this on antitrust grounds or, or SEC that like Elon Musk is not a good person grounds. I, I really do think, you know, that $5 discount on a, on a deal that has already been approved by the board of directors. I've never heard of that in my entire life. I mean, it's more than 10. Well, yeah, it's more than 10%. I mean, you're trading at 90% of the agreed upon value. That makes no sense unless the people on the street think, and they're plugged in and they're smarter than I am, that there's some risk, a substantial risk that this de deal isn't going to go through. How much of his money is still coming from the government, either subsidies to Tesla or SpaceX business, et cetera? Well, all of SpaceX is coming from the government except for like commercial launches. But um, Tesla, the subsidies for Tesla have gone away. Okay, but he still has substantial contracts with the government. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing because, um, I'm sorry to uh, monopolize, I'll give everybody else a chance. When Elon deployed Starlink terminals to Ukraine, because Ukraine didn't have any connectivity, and that's the only, you know, the US is trying to get intelligence information out to the tip of the spear out in Ukraine. And of course the phones don't work and the internet is spotty and whatnot. So he deployed these Starlink terminals. Well, there were a couple things wrong. They were jammable. They were, um, they were uh, targetable. So they could, they could see the signal going up. The Russians could, and then send artillery there. So uh, they were, you know, they, they were a potential disaster, but Elon and his team over like two weeks or three weeks, completely changed the algorithm that the terminals use to make it anti-jammable and anti-targetable. Um, like over in the middle of a war in two or three weeks from halfway around the world. And it's really interesting because the, um, the military is now the cat. The military is thinking, oh, that's interesting. How many satellites do we, the military, have up in space to do our SATCOM? Mm, six. How many Starlink satellites are there? Well, 4,000 going up to 10,000. So if you look at China with their ASAT capability, which is you know extremely strong, what position do you want the military to be in? Do you want all your SATCOM going through six satellites that could be easily targeted by the Chinese? Or do you want your SATCOM going through something like Starlink, which has 6,000 satellites where the Chinese couldn't possibly uh, destroy them all. And the military is thinking, wow, this is really very interesting. And so the military is going to say, no, 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 don't fuck with Elon. Excuse my language. Don't screw with Elon because One of the we, need words, Ed. we need him. We need Elon. We need SpaceX. So the, I think that there's- depends the, on how wokeified the military is though, especially the brass. Well, the brass wants- SATCOM. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I don't care who they are. Even Lloyd Austin wants that. So it, I, it's, it's very interesting. So that, you know, that you, there's, the, there's an anti-Elon faction in like, you know, the usual suspects. And, but there is a very much a pro-Elon faction in the government. And that has to do with, you know, lots of launches. He's, he did like 50 launches last year. He's going to do more than 50 this year. That's like more than one a week. 
um, Starlink. Um, he, he's the only game in town for some of these things. I mean, ULA is, is a disaster. And, and so I think, I don't think it's going to be so obvious about how to like, like take him out. Um, but I do think like, and the street obviously thinks that there's some substantial chance that the deal won't go through, in which case all of the, um, censorship will come back. Anyway, I will stop talking. So I want to mention that, you know, NASA owes a tremendous debt of gratitude because Elon Musk and SpaceX allows NASA to fulfill its primary mission, which is outreach to Muslims. Yeah. So I think that's really good that he does that. I want to talk about the other, you know, big tech free speech stories that are out there, even though they're not Twitter related, but at least is dangerous. The new Google inclusive language feature, which sort of says you didn't really want to say man, did you? You wanted to say person or whatever. And then this thing that Ronna McDaniel and some others have come out with this report that Google, and I didn't realize they did this, besides how they suppress information on YouTube and other platforms, they send political emails to spam depending on whose political emails they like. And that's so subtle that, and it's so evil. And maybe everybody knew they were doing that or not. Unless you're getting hundreds of those political emails a day, sometimes going to spam isn't a bad thing. <laughs> sometimes it's not, but apparently they're doing it on a much better yeah. level. And they're making it impossible for yeah. people to communicate, even with email. And that is just, it's so frightening what they're getting away with. And yeah. nobody thinks that buying Twitter well, is going to stop Alphabet. It, it's sort of interesting looking at some of these James O'Keefe videos and hearing from the, the pinhead COO and um, what's the other lady's name here? Um, Le Le Leslie Burland and having them caught uh, on, on tape, on audio uh, at some of these meetings in, in anticipation of Musk taking over. And, and it's just like, they, they're so self-absorbed. You know, they're so self-righteous about everything. I mean, I think there are factions of the left that are, that are purposely evil, pur purposely coming after us. I, you know, when I listen to these people, I, I you know, they, I'm, I'm saying to myself, what, what, is, what is going through their heads? I mean, they really think that we are the evil ones and, and therefore that they're justified in what they're doing to us on these social media platforms. It's just it's it's fascinating to me to get a window in, into fascinating the, to me that you find that surprising, Mike. I mean, they've been at war with us for how long? But like I said, I think there are certain elements, certain factions of the far left that do things to us purposefully. Um, and that's what they're setting out to do. Uh, you know, maybe I'm splitting hairs in a sense when I'm listening to Leslie Berland. I, I hear somebody who just really thinks that she's just right. And we can't have that way of thinking on, on our platform. You know what I mean? I, th I think there's just a... Yeah, this, a, this a is standard line. for the course for them. This Walk is what happens course. when you run people through the public school system. And uh, a, they're far out leftist extremists yeah. and B, they're snowflakes and everything makes them cry. But, you know, again, they're, they're the champions of democracy while they're obviously taking a sledgehammer to free speech. So what I heard was their logic was that it's not free speech 
because snowflakes will be afraid to join in the conversation out of fear of being hurt and humiliated and attacked. Yeah. So the only way to have free speech mm-hmm. is to deny. Is if it's it's you got to use their words. If it's a safe place, right? Safe space yes. because they they need it to be a safe, a healthy space. place. It has to be healthy, safe and healthy because this world's like so yeah. safe. Yes. Therefore, it's okay for the mullah in Iran to have a platform on Twitter. Yes. You know, I I was wondering. So they keep releasing the data, like from Twitter. They had I think it was what ninety eight point five seven percent of the company donated to the Democratic Party, or else it was ninety five point eight. I wonder if that is going to change. If there will be some kind of policy put up saying, "Hey, if you are going to make donations to either side, those will be made public." You think he'd put something in place like that? I think one of the things he talked about was. Um, People paying a small fee and verifying their identity, probably by, you know, uploading some sort of a picture, license ID or something. picture ID or something like that um, to get like the blue check and and uh, I'm which talking is about what, the employees. Oh, the, the yeah. employees that much of the staff donated to the. Oh, yeah, it was like ninety eight point seven. Yeah, ninety eight point five seven or something. Even when Stalin was running, that he didn't get that kind of. Well, that's um, what I'm saying. What do you think he can put in place so that either that is diversified or they have to make public who they are supporting? Do you well, think the idea. Well, that, that, wait, 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 Gina, you're you're making an art an anti free speech argument there. That's the same argument that the left. That's not free about, speech. That's what we have to right now. No, public donations are about, public record. That's all the campaign finance stuff about disclosure is a free speech violation. I don't want somebody knowing who I donated to. I mean, you're, that's an anti-free speech argument. I do I do think that... Um, My records the, are free. The, when I donate to a pregnancy care center, it's public record. Yeah. The, the thing is that I think what you need to do to change the culture of an organization is to bring in new people with different ideas and put them in management slots. Because I don't think that, um, and that requires, like Ed said, moving to some other state, you know, it might not be Texas, it might be something else. I, I think that changing the culture requires new, new people. And so that's what he's gonna to have to do. He's gonna to have to have a bloodbath. And if he doesn't do that, then it's still going to change. It's still going to stay the same, um, or at least will, will you know will improve like it's already improved. But it will then naturally go back to the way it always was because he doesn't care about Twitter. He cares about SpaceX. You know, he cares about Tesla. He cares about SpaceX. That's what he cares about. He's going to do that, and he's going to probably, hopefully, find someone other than that. But then, guess. why did he? Why did he do this? Why did he do it? Because he wanted um, he wanted more free speech on Twitter. But that doesn't mean that if he continues to have Agarwal as that, I mean, he is a truly ghastly and disgusting individual um, as the CEO, that that's going to happen. He needs to put somebody in as the CEO who is a kick ass and take names kind of like Rand Paul, put Rand Paul in as the CEO, somebody like that. You know, I mean, that we need somebody who is who's willing to fire enormous numbers of people um, and take charge and because it is going to be him because he's not interested. He just wants to sort of advise them. So it depends on who he makes CEO. If he keeps Agarwal, nothing's going to change in the long run. All right. Well, if he- not only that, but I mean, I, I'm just, as you were talking it, I'm thinking about Donald Trump 
and how Trump would have all these, you know, wonderful ideas, but, you know, they never got executed. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about that privately about how he might issue an order, but it just got walked away, you know, got, you know, slow walked out yeah. and, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get put into effect. So uh, Musk, I hope is going to learn his lesson from that. I mean, not that he necessarily follows what Trump does, but well, the issue with Musk that's interesting is all the companies that he's done, all of which are a huge success, um, are built from scratch where he curated the, the employees. He, he, he only got employees who, who shared his vision and who, you know, believe where they're going to go. And, and they're all kind of Muskites, you know. So this is the first time his entitlements, PayPal, you know, Tesla, SpaceX, you know, the boring company, all these companies that he's doing, you know, and, you know, some are better than others, but they all, they all are Muskites, you know, in management and all the people, you don't go and work for SpaceX unless you believe in Musk's vision. And so now he's coming into a company with what, 40,000 employees, all of whom hate him. I mean, you gotta, heads have to roll, you know, and they have to roll very, very quickly. And I don't know whether he's willing to do that. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know whether he's going to win, you know, you think all hate him. Cause I, I mean, I look at Jack well, 98.7 do. <laughs> well, right. But a lot of them I think have been influenced or pressured at the same time. I mean, look at the stuff Jack Dorsey has been saying. It's like all of a sudden, since he's not having to answer to certain people, He's leaning a little bit more moderately, I guess, would maybe be the word. You yeah, know, you know so I've got a couple knows? of naughty words for Jack Dorsey, as long as you're bringing him up. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I'm just saying you never know what the culture might shift a little bit within Twitter, because people might say, hey, now I can stand up for what I really believe. Yeah. I mean, you, you never what know. You're saying is people can come out of the closet. There you go. <laughs> There Lots are interesting legal stuff. issues like in the United States, you know, uh, the law on, on free speech is, is pretty good. I mean, you can't libel and slander people. You can't threaten people. Uh, all the, you know, threats happen all the time. I, you know, I, there was a whole page full of, of, you know, death threats against Elon that showed up on Twitter today. Actually, multiple pages, just page after page of death threats. And of course, nothing will ever happen to any of those people. Certainly, nothing's going to happen to their accounts. I mean, we talked about Bosch Faustin. He used to get 10 to 20 death threats a day and reported them. And yeah. Twitter never took any action against those accounts. So, I mean, there's, there's legal stuff. But then in the EU, there's all other, like there is no free speech. There's lots of topics you can't talk about. Um, you know, the, the one that's obvious is you can't, you know, question certain details of the Holocaust at all. You know, you can't say, you know, 5.9 million instead of six. That, that, that's illegal. That is absolutely 100% you're going to jail if you say something like that. And you mean it, you know, not, but uh, I mean, they just arrested some little lady of 93 or something in, in Germany or Austria or something for, for put her in jail for questioning something about the Holocaust. I mean, that, so there are lots of free speech issues. And, you know, in Russia nowadays, you can't, um, you can't question or contradict anything the Ministry of Defense has said, uh, or it's 15 years in prison. So I listened to some Russian bloggers and uh, they're like, yeah, no, if there was, there was a fire on board and it set off uh, 
um, you know, ammunition, and that's what caused the Moskva to sink. That's what the that's what they're telling me. So that's what I believe. But I do have some questions, and then they'll go on from there. Um, so you know, has already threatened Musk to uh, you know be on guard because yeah. of laws and right himself. So the you know that so there's there's the Holocaust laws, but there's also the Islam laws, right? The Tommy Robinson goes to jail kind of laws where you can't question Islam um, or you can't question the great replacement, uh, immigration, that sort of thing. Um, there, you know, so there's all of these topics that we talk about potentially here in America that you're just not allowed to talk about in, in Europe. So I wonder whether when he says he wants to comply with the laws, what does that mean? Does it mean like if I were to say, if I were to tweet something like, you know, only 3 million Jews got killed in the Holocaust, would that tweet be blocked in, in Europe or that no one in Europe could see it? Or would I be banned because I tweeted something against EU, EU law or, or, you know, laws in the various countries of the, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how you even solve that problem. So I, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, I don't know. Okay. Can I move this subject? I want to move to Europe since we're talking about Europe and everybody has opinions on the Ukraine business, but with Russia cutting off oil now to Poland and Bulgaria, it seems like things in certain areas are a little bit escalating. I wouldn't hear everybody's opinion. There's talk about whatever happened in Transnistria in Moldova. Was that a false flag operation? Does it mean anything? Um, I'm not particularly happy with what Rand Paul said in the Congress the other day. He basically said, well, they all belong to the USSR, as if it's okay for Russia to take them back. I thought that was not his finest moment. And then you add all of this oil and gas stuff to Biden, once again, closing off half of Alaska to any kind of exploration or drilling or something. And again, like some people say, if you were trying to destroy a country, what would you do different than Biden? But I'm curious what people's opinions are on Russia shutting off the gas. Is it maybe it's a good thing? Maybe it forces the EU to wake up, although that's unlikely. Um, will it make America wake up? Unlikely. So I just want to hear everybody's opinions. Well, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I mean, how presumptuous is it of anyone in the West to, to even question the move? I mean, you cut Russia off from the world financial system. You cut the, you impose severe economic sanctions on them. You try and make it so they can't convert into Western currencies. And so they turn around and say, okay, you want our gas, you want our oil, you're going to have to pay in rubles. And that's somehow unfair. I mean, that just seems like a ridiculous reaction from, from Poland, from from Bulgaria. I mean, I know Hungary said that they're going to pay in rubles. Um, Germany, I hear, is, is not going to pay in rubles and they're being threatened as well. I mean, tough dogs. I mean, they're supporting the U.S. war effort in Ukraine and the U.S. is, is kicking Russia out of the world financial system. So what is Russia supposed to do? Just cave in and say, OK, well, you know, we're, we're, you know, you can have our gas and we won't accept any payment for it. I mean, well, hey, at some point, at some point, Russia needs the money, but I don't really care about the fair part or not fair part. I'm more interested in whether the EU is going to wake up and say, gee, maybe we should be producing our own energy. Um, like what's going to happen with all this? And does this represent are we inching towards a wider war, whether we like what's going on? I think that's or not. what the world I think that's what the European and, and particularly the American left wants. 
I think, I mean, because I've said from day one, from right when the invasion happened, this is all about weakening the U.S. And I, I think that weakening the West in particular, in general, but the West, the U.S. in particular, and you know, all of the you know, arming Ukraine. It's about getting getting our weapons away from America and into Ukraine. It's about it's not about arming them. It's about disarming us and prolonging the conflict and making, uh, you know, making you know, in, in, enlarging the the sphere in which we we send our weapons. It's again, it's all about depleting what we have and sending it into a into a sinkhole in Ukraine. Um, so yeah, I think that's what they want. I don't think it's. I mean, I don't think it's some. It's not like World War One, where they sort of bumbled their way into a war. I think this is all by design. They want this, and we just have a hard time understanding how malevolent and how hateful these people are. I mean, Mike, earlier you were talking about how they hate us, and yes, they hate us. They hate us individually. They hate our culture. They hate our society, and they are out to destroy us. That's their plan. What are we going to do about it? That's the question on the table. So question also, if in November things happen the way some people think may happen, does Congress, even at its best, have any control over drilling and that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, yes and no, right? I mean, obviously, they'd have to pass something with a veto-proof majority or, or tack it on to a must-pass bill like the budget bill and have Biden shut down the government over, um, you know, partially shut down the government over, uh, you know, an, a sane energy policy that was uh, thrust into the bill. And I, I, I do think as bad as the Republicans are, and they're horrible people, um, I, energy is one thing they're good on. So I, I think it, something might happen and, you know, Biden might shut the government down because, you know, the 2023 budget proposal contains, you know, all sorts of loosening restrictions on drilling and fracking and leasing and stuff like that. So I, what, I think it's budget? certainly possible. They never really pass a budget, though, do they? Well, in the continuing <laughs> oh, resolution. Uh, omnibus bills, et cetera. Yeah, but yeah. even if they were to pass a bill, the executive has like crazy authority and they can slow walk stuff and they can environmentally stop stuff like until 2025 are we essentially powerless over what happens in you know oil and gas the other thing that's weird about uh, twitter is I, I don't know whether you know this but like you cannot get an app on the app store if it, le it, it both google and um and Apple, you can't get an app on it if it leads to or can be used for the display of pornography, except Twitter. Twitter is allowed in the app store and there's porn all over Twitter. I mean, just it's, it's all over it. And it's like, it's, I wonder, you know, it's like, why does, you know, Pornhub can't have an app, but you get equivalent with Twitter or whatever. And they, they're explicit, like you cannot do this because it has por pornography. It's, it's in the terms of service, but Twitter's exempt from that. And I wonder if what will end up happening is the porn will be effectively banned now, either by Musk or by Apple and Google, which would be fine with me, by the way. Um, but that's again, you know, a limitation on free speech. So that'll be interesting because the only, it's the only app in either place 
in, in, in the, in the app stores where, you know, pornography is allowed. So it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting conundrum. Um, Gab, which is obviously a free speech alternative, they, they ended up banning porn because um, the guy who runs Gab, Andrew Torba, is a committed Christian. And he just decided that at, at some point the porn was destroying the site. And so he just decided to ban porn. And, you know, that's a anti-free speech thing, but I think it's a good idea. Someone's working here. I'll turn myself. Stephen, to answer your, to get back to your question, assuming that, that the elections are fair and free and go off as, as expected, and assuming that the Republicans win the kind of victory that is being forecast right now, I think your question will be answered with the very first vote taken. Who's going to be Speaker of the House? Is it going to be Kevin McCarthy? That's the next subject. So let's talk about McCarthy. Did you see the story I put up literally right before the show? He made some speech to the caucus today and got a standing ovation from the Republicans. So take it away, Ed. I mean, he, he is their leader. And as long as he's their leader, I don't see much resistance from the Republicans. He is, he is a Democrat in Republican clothing. And if they're giving him standing ovations with all that's come out in the last few days, who's going to buck him? Yeah, I mean, Kevin McCarthy is still going to be the leader of the Republican. If he, still, if he becomes Speaker of the House, then I hate to say we're wasting all of our time, energy, and money to elect Republicans, but we may be wasting all of our time, energy, and money to elect Republicans. Remember, he's, a, he's an awful person, but he's not awful on every single issue like the Democrats are. He, he is good on the energy issue and the Republicans. And, you know, he is good on, um, well, whatever he, Trump did, you know, the, the tax friend. cuts. He's not going to he's not going to allow that. The, what, what is their agenda right now to have some hearings? They I mean, they're not going to have any hearings either. But the only attack, they always have I've, their show hearings. The only attack I've seen is their a growing sense in the Republican caucus to impeach uh, Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, the one who's allowing the two, three million illegal immigrants into the country with no consequences each year. Now, even if they do that, you know, it's not really going to make any difference, but at least it's an attack. You know, it's, it's offensive rather than defensive. So I think it's, it's something. I mean, you guys know I, I'd rather fight for the freedom of a few states and for the country, but even if we have the bloodbath in November that people are talking about, if McCarthy and McConnell are still in charge, what's really going to change? No, I mean, and this is what we expect every time, and it's just cyclical. You know, before it was everybody hated Trump, got to get rid of Trump. Now it's Biden is uh, unpopular. So when you're the party in power, you, you know, you're not going to stay there very long the way things are in, in our electorate right now. And then we'll go to a stalemate. Republicans win in November, and we're, we're pretty much at a stalemate. Well, that just means we go off the cliff slightly slower. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not like we not stop. necessarily. Sometimes the Republicans pass things that the Democrats don't have the courage to try and pass. You mean worse? I, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You mean like uh, Medicare, call that bipartisan child left uh, behind, and those kind of things, right? Right. So again, is it worth putting any effort into Congress? That's maybe a well, question. It is. I mean, you know, if the Republicans win 100 seats, I mean, that's 100 new members, right? I mean, 
who knows, you know, who those hundred new members would would vote for for speaker. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. I don't know what it is about the power of the speaker that it is so unbelievably intimidating and strong that from the moment they get in, almost nobody bucks them. Well, you know, I mean, you, you know the answer to that question. Right? That's rhetorical, right? Only partially. Well, the speaker determines who's on committees and the speaker determines uh, who the chair of the committees are and the speaker sets the agenda for the house. So you can't get anything on the floor without the speaker's permission. I know there's a discharge petition. If they get a majority, you can discharge something, but mostly what goes to the floor is what the speaker says goes to the floor. And this is all part of the house rules. And of course it's, it's wrong. You know, it's anti-democratic uh, is the thing, but nobody uh, claims Pelosi is anti-democratic or, you know, um, or any of the Republican speakers. Denny Hastert voted on whether to molest that boy, and uh, it was uh, 100% in favor. So, I mean, that was Democratic. The, but it just seems impossible to ever remove a speaker. The, the thing is, how do you remove a speaker? You have to have a, a motion that gets tabled, and the only way to do that is to have, um, you know... Yeah. If they, if they don't really like you very much, like new. I mean, listen, they have to. Yeah, they get you. They they remove plenty of speakers. There, Denny Hastert yeah. was removed. Newt Gingrich was removed. There's plenty of speakers removed. Uh, Nancy Pelosi. Remember, the committee assignments are, are all about money, right? They're all about money. They're all about how to milk the system to get money for you and your family. And since most of them are all corrupt, I mean, it's like it's like saying, well, yeah, I mean, this this idea would work if none of the people are corrupt. Yeah, well, they're all corrupt. So, I mean, you're going to have to design a system that works when everybody's corrupt. Uh, Matt Gates, Gates says that he's going to nominate Trump to be speaker. Yeah, that's and, not going to go anywhere. Trump doesn't want it, and he would be a terrible speaker of the House. But I'm just saying, you can have alternative people nominated. Maybe somebody besides McCarthy will step forward. You know, if they win 100, if they win 70, 100 seats, you know, maybe somebody will, will work the aisles and say, you know, we so what, what if McCarthy, McCarthy, what if McCarthy wins, but only by a few votes, all those people who voted against him, they get nothing. They well, get that's nothing. why they're all chicken. They're all, oh, they're oh, all can, put you give, on, can you give a hundred people nothing? Yeah. They're all going to be put on some useless committee and not like the committees where all the graft is. I mean, there are a few. There are a few congressmen who don't care about graft. I don't think AOC cares about graft. You know, I don't really think she does. When when they all get in there, they they want their most of them, except for so far. I mean, MTG and Bobert, I guess, are hmm. living without committees, right? Yep. For now, if she's able to to re, you know still run for office, I guess. By the way, and I. I talk about primaries all the time. We're in primary season, if I'm not mistaken. And once primaries are over, we already know who we're getting at best. Well, just speaking to Mike's point, I don't know if you guys saw, there was a court decision out in Arizona on Paul Gosar and um, forget the other one, but there were two Biggs? people that- huh? was, it big? was it Biggs? I think so. Where they were being challenged the same way MTG and Madison Cawthorn are, and uh, the judge, the judge threw out the, the lawsuit saying that there was no private cause of action. They couldn't, they, it couldn't be brought, which mm -hmm. is what I think is the right decision too. Um, this is something that only the, 
you know, I don't think that there's standing for anyone to, to challenge, uh, you know, to, to make an insurrection claim if the person hasn't been expelled from, from the house, from, from his respective house seat uh, by this, you know, by the Senate or the house uh, per terms of article one of the constitution. But I'm never worried. I'm not as worried about that as I am about establishment Republicans crushing people in primaries and keeping them even from running in primaries. Well, that's what happens. Right. And by that's the what happens, and that's, I mean, McCarthy is one of them. That's what happens even after the primary when it comes time to voting for speaker and voting for committee leaders and voting for, you know, what the agenda is going to be in Washington. They crush anybody who wants to object to it. Right. So anybody running in a primary who says I'm running on the fact that I'll never let McCarthy be speaker, you know, kills their chances by 90 percent, I assume, just going in. Well, but I mean, you know, part of the art of politics is you only say what you need to say. I mean, I don't think you need to say I'm going to I'm running right. against McCarthy, <laughs> you know, or I'm not going to support McCarthy for for uh, for a speaker. Or, I mean, you can say, you know, we need new leadership. I don't know who, but, you know, we should try somebody else. All right. What else is on people's minds? Gina's got nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, the war in Ukraine, I think the Russians are making some, uh, uh, some progress in their uh, attacks in the Donbass. I think the reason is the, the mud season is, is starting to end and so that they, they get their armor off the roads. Um, on the other hand, Ukraine is making some uh, real uh, progress in attacking things, important things in Russia. They attacked uh, a couple of oil facilities in Bryansk in Russia the other day, 120 kilometers, uh, like a third of the way to Moscow. And that's got to raise some eyebrows in, uh, in Russia. There's all sorts of Russian um, factories that have been catching on fire and they're kind of far away from the border. So, you know, maybe it's sabotage, maybe it's accidents, maybe they're pushing production really, really hard and people are making mistakes, but um, there's been three or four fires at, at military facilities throughout Russia near Moscow, one on the, on the East Coast. Um, so, you know, maybe that's, maybe there's internal um, you know, infiltrators or Russians who don't want the war or, you know, what, or whatever, but things are going on in Russia that are, that are really weird. There were a whole um, bunch of suicides, weren't there? Yeah. And then, uh, so, so yeah, so the Russians are making some progress in, in Donbass. Um, and uh, the Ukrainians are making a little bit of progress near Kherson and up near Kharkiv, but that's probably because the Russians are relocating their, their troops. So it's, it's still, it's still stalemate but I think the Russians are making a little progress because they can get off the roads in, in some areas. What do you guys think of this whole idea of war crimes? And is it just bluster that people are going to prosecute after the war? And what should people do about so-called war crimes? I think they, well, I'm sorry, but I, I, I the whole idea of war crimes, um, was something invented after World War II to, you know, to punish the Nazis. 
Um, but I think the thing that made World War II go on two years longer than it had to was this unconditional surrender demand between the Allies and both Germany and Japan. And uh, the more you make it hard for people to get out of a war, the more people die and the more destruction there is. People have got to understand that Putin needs a way out, an off-ramp. Putin needs a way out. Putin, Putin is winning this war. No, Putin is not winning this war at all. In fact, if he continues on this way, he might destroy the entire Russian army and, in fact, the Russian Federation itself, because giving domestic power over to regional warlords, fine, the war is over, we won, but the the cream of the Russian army is destroyed. And so he says, okay, warlords, give back uh, your power to the central government. And they're like, no, who's going to stop me? And they're like, there's no Russian army to stop you. And it'll just be the complete destruction of the Russian Federation. So I don't think that, um, I, I think Russia, Russia has already lost the war. They're never getting their political objectives. Um, uh, you know, whether they control the territory of the Donbass that they, they want now that there's their new war aims, it's all going to be destroyed. They're going to they're going to own empty cities, smash buildings. If you look at the um, pictures of Mariupol, the, it, that it, it's billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of damage that it will never be replaced by Moscow. Um, so, that you know, yeah, they're make it a desert and call it victory, call it peace, right? They're, they've lost. The Russians have completely and utterly lost. They've lost a third of their, the, some of the best um, troops in the Russian army are gone, um, dead, wounded, or missing. It, it's, it's been a giant catastrophe for Russia. Whether they take over that empty, destroyed territory that they intend to make in Donbass or not, they've lost. And the question is, you know, how this loss is going to affect the future of the Russian Federation, which after all is held together by force. Um, the, Chechen, the Chechens obviously don't want to be part of Russia and, but all of these little federate, federate, you know, these little republics and federations and everything, none of them want to be Russia because they're none, none of them are Russians. The Russians are around Moscow and, you know, St. Petersburg, Moscow, down to Ukraine, that, that area, those are Russians. They want to be a part of Russia. The rest of the people don't want to be part of Russia because they're not Russians. So I think they're, I think the Russians are in real trouble. I think Putin is in real trouble. There's a picture of him today, you know, talking with Shoigo or somebody. And again, it's this really, really long table and one person sitting at one end and one Putin sitting at the other. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense at all unless Putin is immunocompromised. Well, you know, there's only a few ways to become immunocompromised, right? And one of them is chemotherapy. So who knows what the hell is going on with Russia right now? Um, nobody knows. But I think, they're in, I think they're in serious trouble. And I think if we gave them a reasonable exit strategy so that they can declare victory and go home, I think they would declare victory and go home. But everybody in the United States government sees blood in the water and wants to crush Russia once and for all. And I think that is a terrible idea because all that's going to do is prolong the war and get lots more people killed, both you know, Russian army and, and Ukrainian army. But I think the, the warmongers in the United States want this to end in a bloodbath where it should be ended with a negotiated settlement. Um, not that I'm on Russia's side, by the way, but I'm definitely not. I mean, I'm curious, well, not that it's that important, who's going to rebuild Ukraine? 
The Europeans have already said they're going to. With what? Well, I, I don't know what the question is, but I mean, with, with money? money they print, right? I mean, how else are they going to Are they that? printing money like we are? I mean. Yes. I mean, they've already promised uh, reconstruction for Ukraine, so. Because, the, yeah, the devastation, even a couple of homemade pictures that we get, it's, it's not good over there. Oh, my God. I get all sorts of pictures on Telegram, all uncensored, some of them truly horrifying. I, I got to tell you. Um, but it, it gives you a reasonably good picture. I mean, Mariupol, I've never seen anything like that much in gone. my entire life. It's worse than Sarajevo. It's just, it's just beyond well, it anything. It was an Israeli correspondent a few weeks ago who said, I've never seen anything like that. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Mean stuff. So, and, it's, yeah. and it's a lot worse than it was then. Mm -hmm. I know. So, like, Ed, you, know you really feel that, that the Japanese were looking for a way out of World, World War II? Well, yes that's and not, no. That's Obviously, not the there narrative was... that, I, that I know from my history, it's like they would have fought to the last man. The, there were there were factions, but we, okay, so yes, of course, there were there there was a, a peace faction and, and there was a, a bigger war faction, but the fact that the United States never negotiated meant the peace faction could never really grow until I mean. I, I, you know, as we all know, at the end of World War II, the two atomic bombs, Russia declared war, the cabinet met. It was a tie between people who want to continue the war and people who want to surrender. And the emperor made the decision to surrender. And even then, the war faction wanted to kidnap him. But that's only because the United States didn't, like, think of anything else. And we know that there were... Uh, we know for a fact given that what happened in November of 1918, how can you fault the U.S. for demanding unconditional surrender? I don't understand that. Um, well, that's a very long story, but I think that um, I, I got some time. I, <laughs> I got some time, but our listeners don't have time. Um, I, there are definitely factions within the Nazi regime that were willing to kill Hitler. I mean, they tried. They even they tried to kill Hitler in '44. I think if the United States had said uh, in '44, first of all, we we didn't want a separate peace, which of course was ridiculous because the Russians were far more our enemy than the Nazis were. And if we uh, if we could have said, okay, uh, surrender to us in 1944 you know, we'll arrest Hitler and Himmler and whatever, but the rest of you get amnesty or whatever. I think the war could have ended in 44. And I think the United States, the border could have been, you know, current border Ukraine. I mean, you know, because the, well, current, certainly the current border of Poland. Um, the whole Cold War could have been eliminated. Um, but that didn't happen because of unconditional surrender. You got to give them an off-ramp. And, and that, that's the one thing they don't want to give Putin is an off-ramp. They want Putin to die. And they want see, the Russian army destroyed. As, as Hitler or as Hirohito's Japan. But I will say that just like cancer, you want unconditional surrender from cancer. And everybody I know with cancer, the doctors are like, you know what? Let's get rid of it completely, totally eradicate it. If you need two sessions of radiation, we'll give you 50. If you need six weeks of chemo, we'll give you 50. We're going to absolutely destroy it so it never comes back. And had we not done what we did at the end of World War II, I don't think we would have the world that we've had since then. And I think Germany would be 
right back 20 years later, I think Japan would be right back. So I think in certain circumstances, you have to eradicate um, certain factions. I don't think that applies to Putin right now. No, I mean, I don't think Putin is Hitler and I don't think he's. No, I don't think he is. And I think if he had an off ramp, he would probably take it. But again, with Ukraine in this, they already have so much invested in what they've done. What do they walk away with? And are they. We're fighting a proxy war against them, essentially. We're not. I don't know what we're doing. In in a straight up war. So the concern is escalating it. And Ed is completely right that we should be de escalating. Europe is also sending stuff. And I. Yeah. It seems like every day so, people are sending more and it doesn't look good. But does Russia really want to, quote, go to war with America when Russia had its army kind of decimated? That doesn't make a lot of sense either. N- no, I think I, I do not think I think there are, is a war faction in the United States, you know, Liz Cheney and, you know, the whatever. Uh, there's definitely a war faction in the United States. But I think this, the pushback on Putin comes from Europe. I really do. I really think we're leading from behind. Honest to God, I think the people who are pushing the war are the Poles, the Baltics, and especially Boris Johnson of the United Kingdom. They are the ones who are, who are quote unquote, leading this war effort. And I think Biden and whoever controls Biden are leading, you mean leading the war effort. You mean they're the ones who want to crush Russia. They want to crush Russia. They want to fight back. They want Russia far away from the Polish border. Well, that's not uh, hard to understand if you're a Polak. No, it's not hard to understand at all. Okay. But I think that's, we are reading, uh, you know, I found out that Polak is just how you say a Polish person in Russian. I'm a proud Polak. I, yeah. I always thought, I always thought it was uh, uh, an insult, but it's just Russian for Polish person. Who knew? I just um, know it from all, all in the family, but go ahead. Yeah, you own the family. Exactly. I'm a proud Polak, so what can I tell you? <laughs> uh, you know what? Laser's spending a lot of time in Krakow. I'm going to let him go go along the street and say, are you okay with the word? Yeah, so I don't know. I, they probably don't like, I mean, you know, it's a lot of times people are known by what the enemies call them, right? Germans are obviously named by the Romans. Welsh just means foreigner, you know, uh, so that happens a lot, but uh, but I'll just call them nice polls. So, so I don't think the United States is pushing. This. I think they are now because they smell blood in the water. But in the beginning, you know, if the United States was pushing it on February 24th or 25th, the United States would have behaved completely differently than the way they have. I think for the first month, six weeks, it was very much led by Boris Johnson, the Europeans, and the United States was leading from behind. But now that the military faction smells blood in the water, I think now the United States is, is stepping up and trying to, you know, go along with crushing Russia, where, you know, I, I think I think everybody should like take a step back and say, you know, was the status quo anti that bad? You, you know, I mean, was it worth all of this? And I certainly I don't see this at all. And I think Biden was out there on February 25th or 26th saying we're going to put the strongest sanctions in place possible. We're going to dislodge Putin. We're going to. But they didn't, though. See, that's the thing is that all of this stuff about removing these financial sanctions and the sanctions, that was all led by Europe. That was all we were all the United States was following Europe's lead, mainly because, um, you know, even the war faction knew that if we got in front of Europe, we would fail. So we want we wanted them to come to that decision. 
because um, you know the, the the Iranian sanctions failed completely because Europe just didn't go along with it. So I I think it was part they knew that they the Europeans had to like come to this decision themselves, which is not that hard given the Poles and the Baltics and the British. Uh, you know, 1939, uh, Britain guaranteed Polish independence, um, and that sort of started the British and the French in World War II. So one of the goals was an independent Poland, uh, an independent free Poland. That was the war aim of the British in the, in the Second World War. And they didn't get it because the Soviet Union, um, you know, conquered Poland and, and didn't give it up. So when Poland became a free country in 89 uh, and the Baltics too, I think, again, that was the, that was the victory of, that was the World War II victory that Britain was denied in 1945. And they are not about to give that up. I, I was reminded the other day because apparently the Chinese, this is kind of a, a this is not pro-Putin, but this is trying to understand the um, Russian mentality. The Chinese have uh, concluded a, a, a military agreement with the Solomon Islands. And I just read a couple of books on the war in the Solomons uh, in World War II. It was, it, you know, it was very, that was back when the war was, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so it's very, it's a very interesting story um, about how, you know, the Americans started, you know, in Guadalcanal and then moved up to the rest of the Solomons and we lost lots of lives. And my immediate thought when, um, when the Solomons signed this military agreement with the Chinese, is like, Jesus, do we have to fight over that same territory again? You know, do more Americans have to die after we, you know, after the, tens of thousands who died in the Solomons before? Do we have to do it again? And then I thought, well, that's exactly what Putin is thinking with regard to Ukraine, right? I mean, he's thinking the same thing. He's like, do, do Russian soldiers have to die again, you know, fighting through Ukraine? So, I mean, I kind of get the Russian perspective here. I just don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I, there's a difference between trying to understand what the bad guy is thinking and being in favor of the bad guy. Put it, and I do think one Putin point that I read a couple of weeks ago, which is kind of interesting, Somebody said that Russia's attacking Ukraine is the beginning of destruction of globalization in a quote, new world order. That it's no longer can we delude ourselves into thinking we can trade peacefully with every country, rely on them for our supplies. And I thought that was a really, really interesting take. And is that a silver lining in all of this? Yeah, I think I mean, that's I think only gonna be true. I think that's only gonna turn out to be true depending upon who winds up being the winner in the war. I, I kind of want. Words, I kind of want the oil and gas turned off for the Germans because the Germans were who are idiots. These leading the global warming stupidity and fanaticism. The Germans turned off their nuclear power plants. They could turn them right back on tomorrow and solve their electricity problem. And when they do, that is a huge moment in the whole green nonsense um, that's going on because. I think, I don't know, because the, you know, the German people are so weak, you know, maybe we, maybe we overdid it with the Germans and the Japanese, but uh, they're so weak. Uh, I mean, I think, will, will they rather sit there next winter and freeze to death rather than turning on their own nuclear power plants or drilling for their own oil fracking? You know, they, they've drilled it out, but they haven't fracked. I mean, will they, will they starve to death or not I got starve, a message. freeze to death I got or not? Ed, I got an alert just in the last couple of minutes that Gazprom is going to cut off gas and oil supplies to 
to Germany because they won't okay. pay rubles. Well, I want to know. But going I, back know, more to my people point, Ed, die of cold than heat. But you know, people die of heat in the summertime. So I want to know whether they're going to kill their own people, people rather than restart their power plants. Can people deny anymore that you won't be able to count on other countries to fill your needs, and you're going to have to kind of renationalize things? Well, I think, I, I think no that's, matter who yeah. wins. The COVID events of the last couple of years have, I think, taught us that to some extent, right? We, we realize that all these antibiotics are being created in China and imported. Right. All the equipment, et cetera. But don't, don't Trump did nothing about that. And I okay. just, I, all the drugs I'm still getting are from China and India. You know, I, Trump I think did our nothing. eyes have been opened somewhat. Now, whether there's meaningful proposals put out to change it is another story. I mean, again, we, we were talking about the Republicans taking over before. These are things that need to be addressed. All right. But again, we know that we're up against it. We're fighting hardcore, crazy Marxist leftists who would prefer to still double and triple down on the Green New Deal rather yeah. than have us, you know, start to create our, our own energy. And, and not to be too, you know, um, cynical, but of course I am a cynic. The energy companies, many of whom are based in Texas, throw money at Republicans. They are captured by the energy companies in the United States. And that's the re, I mean, I don't think they have any ideology, ideology that says, oh, we should frack or oh, we should build nuclear plants or oh, we should get more oil. They don't have any ideology at all. What they do have is companies throwing money at them where every other company throws money at the Democrats. But why aren't they throwing money at Democrats and why aren't Democrats bought off by that? I, mean, these are I think it's the, regional. The, I think it's regional. That's all. I hear some of these big energy companies and all they do is tout about how they're, they're investing in solar and wind all the time. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. And look what happened to Texas when they were, uh, you know, when something happened and they were trying to rely on solar and wind. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, we don't learn about these things. I mean, you and I learn, of course. I mean, I was all for free trade 10 years ago until I found out certain things that may mean, wow, we are really vulnerable to things. But um, that's just because I was naive, right? And I, you, you didn't know. I, I hate the people, hate is a strong word. I think the people who were like, I'm in favor of free trade in 2005 or whatever, and I'm strongly free trade. And, and they've gone through what we've gone through in the last you know, three years or, or 10 years and are still like, oh no, no, I'm still strongly in favor of free trade. It, it's like they don't have eyes. They can't I mean, we're, see. we're stupid. I mean, you go back. I remember even Reagan talking about it. He's like, I'm a protectionist. Yeah. And that was the right approach. And even I, I think about Ross Perot when he ran for president and talk, talked about the giant sucking sound. You know what? I mean, he was pretty much right. Yeah, he was pretty much right. We're paying, the we're other interesting thing about World War II. Our, our stupidity. The other thing about World War II that was very interesting, right? At the end of the World War II, the United States economy had a lot of capacity. And you know we're stopping the armaments. So we're going to go back and, but we realized that you know all the, the the Germany, Japan, France, England, they're basically destroyed. So we didn't go to free trade. What we went is free trade for them into America to help them, and tariffs for them to help build their industries. That was the system that was put in place. Mm -hmm. That is still the system that is in place. Right. The United States is allowing other countries to put up tariff and now mostly quotas because uh, after the, um, you know, the 
Well, do, you know, do trade things, but mo you know, and I, I saw today that the European Union, which is, you know, which is meant to be a free trade zone. No, it's not. It's a customs union. It's to keep stuff out. They are dropping all trade uh, tariffs and quotas for Ukrainian products for the next year. In other words, they're doing to Ukraine what we did to Europe. They're dropping the tariffs and the quotas to allow them to build up their industry. And I'll bet Ukraine still has tariffs on things going through, you know, it's I mean, the same listen, thing. China, China was not a wealthy nation until arguably when Nixon went there and, and opened it up. Yeah. And, and, you know, Deng, you know, in, in the late, uh, late eighties decided on, you know, a new path, but they've got a new God emperor now and he's a weird guy. Uh, so we'll see what happens. All right. I'm going to let everybody talk about what we haven't gotten to talk about that they wanted to talk about before we close. Gina, you're muted. Again, I got nothing. I got nothing. Nothing? No. Nothing in North Carolina? No, primaries, uh, early elections, or early voting, I'm sorry, starts tomorrow, the 28th, and then primaries are the 17th. That's, That's the primaries for North Carolina. Yes, sir. And are there good people who may win? I hope so. I, hope I really so. hope so. There's a few good ones. Okay, what's going on with your Cawthorn boy? Cawthorn is in the district next to us now. So he, I mean, he's still running, but he's in a lot of hot water from all the stupid stuff he said and the driving incidents or driving without a license incident. So, mm. and now pictures emerged from before he had gone into Congress when he was a teenager from being on a cruise ship where he played some how do you want to call it like a scavenger hunt game and with each of the items you find you put on like a layer of clothing over it and those layers of clothing were like a bra and all kinds of crap so now it looks like he was dressing like a woman from these pictures when he was like 17 or 18 years old before he went into congress Is he and being primary by a republican he's got quite a bit he's actually got the um former chair of the 11th district michelle woodhouse um she's one of them she's awesome as well and she was a huge supporter of his actually when the districts were all split and that's where the mapping really has just messed up uh north carolina so now they're actually competitors i mean there's there's quite a quite a few there's edward over there there's a quite a few but she's is a, that a is that a safe seat no matter who wins the primary is it a safe seat no 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 so that i mean it's, it's got Asheville. no 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 so the Republicans could lose a seat because of his shenanigans. I mean, they possibly could. In all honesty, it depends on who goes through in that primary. But he can win, right? Maybe. There's a lot of people he's ticked off. And until he humbles himself and, you know, because he's, he's got that mentality still because he's young that he's invincible. And, you know, a lot of that is showing and he needs to apologize for certain things he said and certain things he's done and move forward from that. And that'll get him a lot of credibility back. That would, one would thing I've learned in the last few years is you, you don't apologize to these people. Well, no, I'm talking about, you know, when he lied about the drugs and the cocaine and the sex parties. And then he had to go on the record and say, no, I was lying unless somebody threatened him or something. And that's why he redid that. But, you know, going and driving twice with a revoked license. Yeah, you, you messed up like you messed up Own it. You know, certain things like that you do. Own. 
Well, I would think if there's good people primarying him, then maybe we don't want him winning the primary. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a mess. I'll just be watching it closely. Is all I can say. Mike, New Jersey. Well, I'm still bracing myself for the bag ban. The plastic. I was just going to bring it up. I was going to say yeah. tomorrow I'm bringing in a couple hundred thousand bags, selling them for well, a piece. Okay. Yeah. Go. <laughs> you know what's funny? I went to the supermarket the other day, and all of a sudden. All the bags are, are gone. I think people started hoarding the bags. So you're not even allowed to sell them? Is that the new law? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I've been paying 10 cents a bag recently in New Jersey. You, Does you, this mean no more bags? I, I believe it was a ban. Now, don't quote me on it. That's what I what think. I Whether you can pay for them, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I think most people are just preparing to get you know, a bag that they can use over and over again. <laughs> but it was quite funny. I mean, I, I was on the self-checkout and all the bags were gone. I had to turn back to one of the other checkouts and grab a bag. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think my guess is people were probably just grabbing a whole ton of them and leaving. So Unbelievable. Yeah. That's, ne yeah. that's next week. May, May 4th, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, we're just about out of time. And it's into a week from today. We're, we're into the, yes, the, the green raw deal will be uh, taking effect in New Jersey in about a week. So. And yet we put up with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I, I said this to somebody that this accrues well to the, to the uh, Amazons and Walmarts and all the online yeah. stuff. I said and that, is that yeah. part of it? Because I don't want to go to a grocery store and schlep my own stuff. I can't stand that. And I'd rather just get it in a nice, neat box. I don't know if they've set out to do that. Uh, but I think that will be one of the ramifications of it. Because if you're not buying it, convenient. if you're not buying fresh uh, groceries, you might as well just order it online through Amazon and it'll be shipped right to your door. I mean, I guess, the, you know, the people, the snowflakes who are virtue signaling, they'll probably, yeah. you know, walk around with their reusables. But mm -hmm. for the few normal people left, I, I just yeah. find it very uncomfortable. Well, I mean, it, it's an interesting trade-off, right? Do we get to save a few turtles, I guess, from choking on bags, so I hear. Uh, but in the meantime, if people have to order more online, that means more uh, airplanes in the air, trucks on the road. And... More boxes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, you're using logic, so that's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ed, you're next on my squares, Ed Maslish. Well, one story we didn't touch on, uh, Tucker has started covering the, the food shortage situation and the attacks on food plants. Uh, I follow a channel on Telegram called Ice Age Farmer, and he's been documenting that for months now. And um, it's just something to keep an eye on that we're, we're seeing a lot of fires, a lot of, we had a couple of plane crashes last week. Uh, mysterious apparent forms of sabotage against the food supply, uh, so much so that Jen Psaki actually addressed it during one of her press briefings in the last week, uh, saying that the food supply is safe, which of course means it's not safe and they don't know what to do about it. But uh, I think that's a story that's worth noting. Um, I'll just, you know, I haven't had my, uh, I haven't had my rant of the day about, you know, the coming disaster, but, uh, you know, that's my rant for today that uh, there's a coming disaster, and I think that there's a 
it's a coordinated attack on, on all fronts of our prosperity and, and not just prosperity, but our, our ability to live. And that's what's coming. Um, you know, we didn't talk about digital currency. There's not much news on that this week. Um, Actually, I saw some, but there is some. What, you, know, you mentioned Saki, and I was going to mention that I, I sent a rather hefty donation to Black Lives Matter today in recognition of that Black life that was lost in Texas trying to save those drug dealers. And I know they're going to make a big deal out of it, so I'm joining the movement. What Jen Psaki said, I found so disgusting when she was asked about that Texas guardsman, and she goes, well, that was the state. Was anybody else as repulsed as I was by that statement? Well, she did. I mean, I was, but she's just not going to defend anybody who wants to defend our border. I, I can't even. It was just so cold, so callous. I, These people hate us. They hate they us. Hate us exactly. And they hate everything about us. They want to make our lives not just miserable, but impossible. So, yeah. I mean, you've got to come to expect it from them. But even still, and I guess it's good I'm not totally numb. Okay. I mean, because we still have to be angered enough to want to do something about it. Of course, she'll, you know, fade out into MSNBC. And Comfortably numb. Who's, who's coming up behind her? Anybody know? I don't know. I don't know, Joy but I feel Reed. Bad. Joy Reid. <laughs> Joy Reid or... Maybe, uh, maybe Elon Musk can help out by firing the CEO. How about Whoopi Goldberg as the new oh. press secretary? Or Joy Behar, yeah, get one. Agarwal, Agarwal, that's the, the name I was thinking of. <laughs> Ed P, any quick closing? Well, here in Fairfax County, the, the story of the year is taking place, and that is the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard uh, defamation trial, and we get a lot of news about that. Um, Amber Heard is uh, coming off as, well, was actually diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, that was the big thing on the stand yesterday. And Johnny Depp is coming off as an odd guy because he is an odd guy, but not what he has been portrayed in as the media and as a wife beater. So whether he'll win the case uh, based on the standards of definition, who knows? But from the standards of the press, um, the, the press who had made him into a demon are looking like uh, they are horrible people. I think we already knew that. Um, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a courtroom happened yesterday when um, the herd, herd's attorney asked a witness a question. The witness started answering and the herd's attorney objected and the judge said to him, but, but you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he objected to his own question. I thought that was just funny as hell. Um, I, I think it's an interesting, uh, not because necessarily that, that celebrities are, in, are interesting because generally they're serpent people, but, um, you know, to, to highlight the fact that um, spousal abuse of women on their husbands uh, does happen and is uh, relatively common and is never, never spoken about. So it's good for it to get um, a little bit of, uh, of press in the uh, herd versus Depp trial. So it was sort of like her, it was sort of like herd immunity. It was herd immunity. I'm 31 years out of school of social work. <laughs> and it was my first year there that I wrote a paper on domestic violence and we studied it a lot. 
And there were like six or seven books we had to read and one that was on the list of, you know, if you have absolutely nothing left to do with your life, you may want to actually, you know, look at this book from the outside. And naturally, that was the book that said it's about 50-50 domestic violence. And they've always known that, but they hide it. And I just want to use my uh, psychiatric expertise. Does anybody know what a borderline personality disorder is? Um, yes, in fact, I do. Well, because, and this is a plug I'm for a different podcast. It really it's the diagnosis you get when you refuse to get better and is tossed at people that you hate because you can't fix them. And it's horrible, horrible, um, what's the word, appellation to get, if that's the right word, epithet. Um, they throw it at people when they're pissed at them. So yes, it does have a clinical meaning. Yeah. But it's unfortunately, they call it a garbage, it's a garbage can diagnosis. Well, all of the psychiatry is kind of garbage. I would argue that most of personality disorders is Yeah. But borderline Um, is something, if we're pissed at a patient, we call them borderline. And it's very sad. Yeah. I mean, the psychiatrist they had on yesterday uh, uh, and testified, uh, Nick Riccato's following it. But if you want to learn more about borderline personality disorder and all of the cluster B personality disorders, I highly recommend another podcast called the disaffected podcast with Joshua Slocum. He, he, it, it's great by the way. And he basically, his thesis is that SJW ism and the, you know, all of the people who scream and cry and, and like over the Musk thing, they are all suffering from one or more of the various cluster B personality disorders. And in fact, it's the normalization of cluster B personality disorders in our culture and putting that to the fore that has caused the trans insanity and the LGBT and the Black Lives Matter and all that. It's all very much histrionic, narcissistic, and, you know, borderline. I highly recommend when you're done with our podcast, go and listen to the uh, Disaffected podcast. Well, I have to tell you, you haven't lived until you've worked with and for a borderline psychiatrist. It just makes things so much more exciting. So with that, we will end our day. We're at the border at the end of our podcast. As always, please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Please visit our home site, which is libertyblock.com and be on the lookout for our Fearless Leader's new book, Presumed Guilty, hopefully coming out very, very soon. And I wanna wish everybody a wonderful day. We'll see you back here next Wednesday, four o'clock.